0: Timothy Snyder. I'm a historian. I'm the author of On Tyranny and some other books. What I'm talking about today is On Tyranny. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm creating a new little series of video discussions about On Tyranny, my political pamphlet from a few years ago. The reason that I'm doing this is that I've updated the text of the book to take account for what's happened in the last few years, but more importantly the reason I'm doing this is that On Tyranny is appearing again in a new edition in October of 2021, new because illustrated, um, new because much more beautiful and interesting, thanks to the work of Nora Krug. So this project that that Nora and I have been doing together comes to fruition this fall. And this is the occasion for me to take a moment to think back about the 20 lessons, which remain unchanged. I've, I've changed some of the text after them to take into account new events. The 20 lessons themselves remain unchanged. So this is an occasion for me to think back to the 20 lessons and to think forward about what they're going to mean in the months and years to come. This is the the third little video in this series, which I'm going to call, I think, Timothy Snyder Speaks About on Tyranny. So we're doing lesson number three. Lesson number three is beware the one party state. The parties that remade states and suppressed rivals were not omnipotent from the start. They exploited a historic moment to make political life impossible for their opponents. So support the multi-party system and defend the rules of democratic elections. Vote in local and state elections while you can. Consider running for office. Now. For me, it's it's very important that democracy and anti-democracy is not a partisan affair. The temptations that lead us or our political leaders or the leaders away from democracy are old and have been understood in fact for a couple thousand years. The, The reasons why one party or another party, can cease to campaign democratically are pretty much always the same over time. I'm I'm going to explain the way the dynamic works. It works like this. If you become a party that rigs the system, I'm talking about America, but I don't have to be. We know this from examples, modern examples from the last 100 years, if you become a party that rigs the system, you cease to become a party that campaigns for votes on policies. So basically you have a choice. Sure, parties are gonna campaign hard, parties are gonna use the rules as best they can. But when your main issue is rigging the system, when your main concern is not the population, but how you're gonna game the elections, then you cease to become a democratic party and this works over time, the longer and the better you get at gaming the system, the, the worse you are at actually speaking to people and coming up with policies that speak to them. So you're making a choice. The further you go down the road of gaming the system, the further away you are from being democratic, not just because, not just because you're gaming the system, but because you're ever less good at actually competing. So. How does this work then? After a certain point, you as a political party have to believe in a single party system because you can't afford to have elections. You know that in non-gamed elections, non-rigged elections, elections where you didn't make or exploit the rules, you would lose. So you, you can't afford to have normal elections. You start to take for granted that elections in some way are just a ritual to keep you, your people, the right people, as you see it in power. You start to say, for example, that you always win. You tell the lie that you always win. Your party always wins. You say that, as of course, Mr. Trump and a number of his allies said in the year 2020. Um, you 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 start to talk about elections as just being something that you win. That's the, That's the definition of an election. As you're doing this, of course, you're you're, you're changing the rules as hard as you can. And perhaps most dangerously, you're sculpting the electorate. You're creating second-class citizens. You're making it easier for some people to vote and harder for other people to vote. If it's the United States in 2021, you're probably pretty careful about how you talk about what you're doing, but you're doing it all the same. You're making it easier for some people to vote and harder for other people to vote. As you exclude people from the electoral system, you're creating potential for violence in two different ways. One is that people don't like to be excluded. And again, one doesn't have to talk about the United States here. This is a general tendency apparent from history. If you push people out of elections, if you push people out of an electoral system, um, if you deny them a voice in a democracy, they will seek other ways to make their voices heard. But as we saw on January 6, 2021, you're also making violence more likely in another way. Because as you push some people out of the system, you're teaching other people that they always win. You're teaching other people that elections are the same thing as their winning. You're, you're making it harder and harder for your people, as Mr. Trump put it, to distinguish between there being an election and, and winning. And that also makes violence more likely. Because it means that when, if an election doesn't go the way of your party, um, people, people will resist violently, as we have already seen. Right? It's so easy when, talking, when, when, when pronouncing these words, and perhaps for you and listening to them, to think about this as hypothetical, as political science. But we just watch this all play out. We watch the scenario play out step by step, word by word, in the 2020 American presidential election. We may not want to look hard at it. We may want to turn away. We want to imagine, may want to imagine the future is going to be better. But this, this just happened. So to beware the one-party state, what we have to be able to do is believe seriously in the simple principle that each person has one vote. And having a vote means not just the formal right to exercise a vote, but also the practical ability to vote. An equal right to vote means nothing if it's just a statement on a piece of paper. An equal right to vote has to mean that regardless of where you are and who you are, as a citizen, it will be easy for you to vote. I'm going to close where I began. This is not partisan. Different political parties in the United States have gerrymandered and exploited and and mocked the rules or warped the rules or broke the rules at different points in time. We are all vulnerable to this logic. The logic that if you move away from competing, you become worse at competing. The logic that as you move towards rigging the system, you become better at rigging the system. And before you know it, that's all you know about politics. We're all vulnerable to that. That's not a partisan point. To whom it's happening is important and they should be named. But the the issue is not a partisan one. And the issue has an upside the issue has an optimistic outcome, which is if we had a system that was truly democratic, if we could avoid the risks that are now built into our system and pushed by one of our political parties to create a one party state, that would be better for everyone. It would be better morally and eventually politically for both of our parties to be campaigning on platforms it's, it's a bad thing when one party doesn't have a platform and one of our parties doesn't. If, if, if we change the system such that each person did have a vote, not just formally, but practically, and both parties or more parties were really competing on policies, that would be better for everyone. If we can change the rules such that we are avoiding the risks, if we can change the rules such that we are moving towards becoming more of a democracy, that's not just better for all of us. That's not just better in terms of the policies it'll produce, it'll also give us better political parties, better political parties that, that our children and our children can vote for with pride, rather than thinking, oh, that was the party that started this armed insurrection. That was the party that suppressed those votes. That was the party which openly declared it didn't accept an election result. If we can get the system right, then we'll be in a legacy of political parties that we can look back and be proud of. So, but where the one party stay? Thank you.